I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined today by Paco Bollit as we look ahead to the weekend action. But first, we also have all of the midweek action to catch up on as well. How are you doing, Paco? It's been a, a long week already for you, right? Yeah, definitely, because plenty of things are happening over here. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty well, especially if compared to what maybe Liverpool fans are you know, feeling at this point. Uh, I believe I'm, we're going to talk quite a bit about what happened uh, a few days ago over there in uh, in Liverpool. And also many things to say about the European competitions, Barca, Sevilla, La Liga, match day 23. And obviously, I believe Valencia will have a you know small segment over <laughs> in the show. But yeah, uh, hectic days, hectic days over here in, in Valencia. Yeah, we will apologise to any listeners who have to listen into a Valencia fan after the defeat of Dafe and a Liverpool fan after that match against Real Madrid. We'll try not to be too depressing and make it sound a little bit more positive than a quarter Samaritans. But let's start with that big game on Tuesday night, Paco, the, the Real Madrid visit to Anfield. I mean, this is a huge clash of the Titans, one which was so tight in the Champions League final. Liverpool completely dominated it. Real Madrid eventually got the win. And that was less than, I mean, that's what, nine months ago now? Liverpool go 2-0 up. What are you thinking 15 minutes in with Liverpool leading 2-0 against Real Madrid? You know, if you actually take a peek at the final stats of the game, they are actually quite amusing because uh, Liverpool did absolutely the same as Real Madrid, at least stat-wise. But, you know, they didn't score the goals. Whereas for Real Madrid, they were absolutely clinical in their finishing. Like six shots on target, five goals. It's that kind of efficiency that you just don't find in European football. And that was the gist of, of the whole game. Uh, at the end of the day, you can find uh, mistakes in both uh, in both boxes. You can find both goalkeepers not at their best uh, in, you know, in 
in the singular moment here and there. Uh, we did so see a, a Courtois blooper. Uh, later, we did see, you know, um, and it was, in my view, very crucial. Uh, Alison with a big mistake uh, at the back. And in that sense, it, it was level. But, you know, the individual quality of the players did make the difference. Uh, Vinicius in the first half and later Benzema in the second, uh, you know, uh, allowed Real Madrid to move on to the next round because in my view, Liverpool are uh, unequipped to to turn this kind of result around. A 5-2 defeat at home uh, is too harsh on, on any side. In Liverpool too, uh, but Real Madrid were just in one of those nights. It's the only way to, to put it, you know, because if you try to analyze the game from a, an objective perspective, talking about you know the tactics, the the technical quality of the players, all of the things that we often uh, you know dissect, it isn't going to make any sense, and that's what Real Madrid are uh, whenever they play in the Champions League. So I think we could you know actually just sum up the game in that Real Madrid did their thing, and Liverpool. Unfortunately for them, suffer the the consequences. Well, this is exactly that. Just looking at the stats here, Pac. I mean, if you didn't watch the game and you saw these stats, you'd be very confused. The expected goal was one point nine seven to Liverpool, one point six four to Real Madrid. So Liverpool actually came out on top, just about nine shots each. Of those five on target for Liverpool, six on target for Real Madrid. Four big chances for Liverpool, only three for Real Madrid. And yet somehow we're here with a five-two scoreline. I mean. We saw last season that at times it felt like Real Madrid were being carried more by the gravitas, by the aura of Real Madrid than necessarily the talent on the pitch. And that was what got them these big comebacks against Chelsea, against Manchester City that kind of saw them through. Do you think that Real Madrid could win the Champions League this year again? I mean, that was the feeling I had. At 2-0 to Liverpool, I felt like this could end 3-4-0 to Liverpool and be a completely humiliating end of the season. Carlo Ancelotti sacked by the end of the month. Or it will end 4-5-2 to Real Madrid and they will go on and win the Champions League. Yeah, I think that we have come to the, to that point. You know, Real Madrid um, have lost uh, incredible points over in La Liga uh, by not being, you know, 100% uh, concentrated, focused on point. In their games, but whenever the you know the Champions League anthem uh, is uh, you know blasting off uh, pre-match in in any single stadium, they, they suddenly become this kind of uh, mighty side which is unbeatable. Whenever the, the time comes to to actually uh, kill the game, and that was that's was what Real Madrid are able to to perform. Um, they were in a in a very tight spot with the two 0 down. In the 15 minutes, it was a moment where, you know, things could, it was a coin toss and uh, things could go south definitely for Real Madrid at that point. But suddenly, in maybe the most unpredictable manner, Vinicius scored an amazing goal with plenty of defenders surrounding him. And later, only a couple of minutes later, Alisson made a tremendous mistake and and suddenly it was a 2-2. With Vinny, we've kind of been waiting for that big game where he kind of stamps himself on it and makes it. This is his game, his explosion. And we've seen Vinny be really good in games, but we haven't seen him in one of these huge games against a big team be the best player on the pitch. But I think this is exactly what we saw at Anfield, right? 
Yeah, and I think that uh, plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of the percentage to blame lies on him focusing on the game and not fo focusing on other stuff. Because I think lately in La Liga, Vinicius has been more, uh, you know, focused on the opposition, other players from other teams, you know, all of the chance from the stands, um, being provoked and provoking uh, to and fro. The, you know, this is a bi-directional uh, road, one-way, two-way road. And uh, I think that against Liverpool in an, you know, in a very, very relevant uh, scenery as, as Anfield, I think that he was 100% concentrated on the ball and uh, in the game. And it showed, you know, the, the way he played the whole night, I think it was a testament of what he's capable of doing when he only plays football and leaves everything else aside. Which is something which eventually Ancelotti should try to extract from him every single game. You know, just play. Leave everything else aside and play. Which is something which, for example, Leo Messi, which is, you know, a player who shouldn't be um, uh, talked about furthermore because everything has been already said about him. Leo Messi was very smart back in the day when he was even younger than, than Vinicius to just focus on the ball and concentrate on what you are capable of doing and leave and set everything else aside. And that's what, in my view, is going to make the difference from Vinicius being a very good player to being a great player. One of those players who are able to, to carry a whole team as massive as Real Madrid uh, on their backs. Yeah, and I mean, he had, it was incredible. I looked at the stats the, this morning after the game and and it had Vinicius as the player who'd won the most duels with seven and also the player who'd lost the most duels with 11. So if you top of both of those charts, there's a lot about how just how involved he was. He was all over the place and just non-stop throughout. But yeah, I think that's enough about Real Madrid and how they're inevitably going to win the Champions League with some incredible comebacks through the competition. And now we can turn our attention to the Thursday night action. So obviously this podcast going out on Thursday morning, you might be listening to us afterwards, but if not, Barcelona versus Manchester United is the big one. Two all at Camp Nou in the first leg. Paco, what's your prediction for this one at Old Trafford? It's going to be possibly the biggest challenge for Barca this season. You know, and you only have to check out the... You know, the away leg, uh, the first leg against um, Manchester United, where Barca were against the ropes in several moments of the second half. And they were able to survive, you know, and actually make a comeback and 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 uh, pick up a, a, a draw, which leaves everything open for the, for the second leg. Obviously, it's going to be super tough for them um, to counter... Manchester United's offense, which is possibly the biggest, the biggest addition that Ten Hag has has uh, delivered this season uh, from the from the dugout. I think that Manchester United are very flowy whenever attacking. Everything, everyone knows what to do. Everyone knows how to you know position this, themselves, place themselves in the pitch. the The breaks are very fast. The counters are very fast. You know the attacking side of things. They have everything under control. But at the back, they suffer. Uh, whereas for Barca, if you check out, um, you know, their 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 season form 
from the beginning of the of the year, they have managed to keep a clean sheet in almost every single game in La Liga. I believe they have only allowed seven goals in 23 games, which is mind-blowing in, in any sense. But, you know, European competitions are not the same level as La Liga. They they managed to do that against lesser sides, against teams who don't really have big, you know, firepower uh, in front and can really damage them and hurt them. And we saw exactly that against Manchester United in the first game. And, and that's why I think that is going to be the... Um, you know the biggest, the biggest issue for for Barca. The scenery is going to be massive. You know, Old Trafford is possibly one of the greatest grounds in in the in the whole European, um, in the whole European continent. And yeah, you know, I, I wrote earlier today. I read um, a chubby interview with uh, Luis Martin uh, talking about how impressed he had been his whole career with English uh, opposite sides and English rivalries and English grounds. And I think that this could be a turning point for Barca the whole season. If they are able to beat Manchester United away from home in front of a huge crowd as they are, as they are going to find themselves against this, this Thursday, I think Barca could be on the road to, you know, collect a doblete, uh, you know, two titles this season. At the same time, a big loss, you know, a, a defining defeat against um, Manchester United can also be a turning point in La Liga because their, uh, you know, point difference against Real Madrid is quite good, but not definitive. Yeah, not only that. I mean, obviously, Manchester United on Thursday night, they then travel to Almeria away at the weekend. And that might sound like an easy game, but it's one that we've seen. Real Madrid had to come back from behind to win there. Atletico had to get that late equaliser against Almeria when they travelled there as well. So it won't be an easy game. And then next midweek, we've got a Clasico with the first leg of the Copa del Rey semi-final. So, I mean, the next seven days for Barcelona could be really pivotal for their season. And, of course... They have to do that without Pedri, with Sergio Busquets just coming back from injury. He's only played eight minutes this month since he had that injury right at the beginning of the month. So he's facing a fitness race to be available for this game at Old Trafford. But even so, Gavi is also suspended after picking up a yellow card in the first leg. So, yeah, I feel like if I had to pick one, I'd probably edge towards Manchester United for yeah. all of those reasons that you say, Paco. Because... 55-45, in my view, favourable yeah. for... You know, favoring Manchester United. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, cater to to Premier League fans, but I have to tell it like I I see it. And uh, you know, Barca have quite a few issues here and there, as you said, with injuries, with uh, absent players, with you know the level of games being played. Because ultimately, they have been playing every single week, like two games since the since the winter break and the World Cup break. So uh you know it's taking a toll in the in the freshness of the of the of the team. We did see it against uh Cadiz for example. Ultimately Cadiz are are fighting against uh you know other sides for in order to avoid relegation and Barca didn't really you know uh beat them in a in a in a flair style in a in a sufficient style. And it took Ferran Torres making a, a great 
game overall and having a great performance to to finally being able to to beat them into submission. So I think that Barca are in that point where any big defeat could be very harmful for their aspirations this season. But as long as they keep winning, they can recover from all of the problems that they are suffering. Evidently, obviously, what is happening with all of the referee scandal over here is is also affecting in some way the the morale of the side. You know, um, I think that every single football team in any single league in in any single country, whenever they have those kind of problems and rumors off the pitch, it uh, crawls back to the players at some point. And I think that overall, it isn't really benefiting their their performance in the last couple of weeks. Uh, all of the you know, all of the things which are being said about Barca and the referees and uh, you know all of the Barca gate stuff. So so yeah, turning point game in my view, which can make Barca's season incredible or very difficult from this point onwards. Exactly. So let's touch on the last Spanish team in Europe this week, which is Sevilla. They've got a 3 0 lead from their first leg against PSV. But let's not just assume that it will be an easy win because PSV, I mean, they've got a very good, strong home record. They beat Arsenal 2 0 in the Europa League at home earlier on this season. So it's not necessarily a sure thing that they'll go through. Paco, do you think that, that Sevilla can, can see out a 3 0 first leg win? Well, I think that um, the the first leg result is too, you know, too heavy on PSV's um, uh, chances of of going onto a next round, and I think that Sevilla have their job done for them already. But at the same time, uh, we have been talking for quite a, a while on about Sevilla's need to become consistent overall since San Paoli took over. And after all of the, you know, the the jigsaw pieces here and there being moving from one point to another in the in the January transfer market, I think that Sevilla have improved. You can actually see that in in La Liga they were one of the bottom three uh, before the the winter break, and and they have been able to just escape from from that uh, tricky uh, position in in the standings, and they have been doing so by becoming. Consistent, especially at home, you know, keeping clean sheets. And uh, even though they haven't found it very easy to score, they have been managing to score, which is ultimately what what matters. And against PSV, the 3-0 just is, uh, shows that when they have the night, we say that in Spanish quite a lot, cuando tienen la noche, when they have the, their night, when they are uh, in the zone as, as basketball players, for example, they can score. They have a, a squad which are very talented in 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 the scoring in their scoring abilities so i think it was more more or less a, a mental mental issue for for sevilla since the beginning of season of the season which sampaoli has been able to uh, overturn slowly but steadily and that's why they are already you know safe from danger more or less in la liga and possibly thinking about greater uh um you know, objectives and and uh, greater aims for for the season because they could easily be the underdog in in the UEFA Europa League. I think that nobody is really counting on Sevilla reaching the latter stages because of how awfully they began their season in La Liga. So that could actually work for them in their favor. They can become the underdog silently, you know, beating and and knocking out 
PSV moving on to the next round, not making any noise, and that could actually work in Sevilla's favor. So I think they are with 1.5 feet already in the next round, but they have to finish the job. And I think that they are capable of, of definitely winning in, in Eindhoven and over in, in the Netherlands. So uh, definitely don't rule out that possibility. And I think that Sevilla could easily win 1-0 away from home or 2-1 uh, away from home because they, they have shown that they are capable of doing so. Great. So, yeah, that's the European action covered. Stay tuned and we'll be back after a very short break to analyse what's coming up at the weekend in La Liga. And we'll also let Paco Rus on Valencia as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown and to our podcast. Thank you for bearing with us there. So, La Liga, this weekend's action, there are some big matches. And I know that the one that you're going to be watching most closely, Paco, is going to be Valencia against Real Sociedad on Saturday night, the 9 o'clock kickoff. But beyond just the match, the 90 minutes that we're going to see in Mastaya, Paco, tell us what's the latest from Valencia, what's going on. Ruben Berra has come back, a disappointing start under him. And what's going on off the field as well? Many things, obviously, because, uh, you know, uh, Valencia were um, looking for a turning point in the season with the appointment of Ruben Baraja. They believe that the gravitas that the former midfielder legend for the side, for the team, for the club could bring to the table was going to be enough for the, for the squad to suddenly become good at football. 
and we did see against Getafe that uh, it wasn't going to be the case because many things have gone wrong for Valencia this season. And I believe it's a very, you know, personal view that the the coach hasn't been one of them. I think that Gattuso isn't to blame for what is happening in Valencia. I think that Boro isn't to blame for what is going on over here. And definitely, I believe that Baraja, even if he isn't, you know, able to turn things around, is to blame for what is happening for the last nine years over here, but especially the last four seasons. I think that's what Peter Lim has done to Valencia could easily be seen and 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 found in in a in a murder book, you know, th- those kinds where uh, the coroner's office have to find how this guy was killed, how that guy was murdered. How yeah, that is what Peter Lim has been doing with Valencia. I think that he has uh, dismembered the squad, sold the best players, brought in players who are just not worthy of 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 the quality that should be needed in order to play for for this for this badge uh the promotion of youngsters is in my view a fake uh project which is never going to work and was never going to work from the outset because everything is just a everything is just a a theater play you know, everything is just smoke and mirrors trying to make believe that they are actually doing stuff, that they are actually working to find interesting players, that they are actually training, that they are actually uh, worried about the situation. And the and the truth behind everything is that Peter Lim doesn't really care. And that is what's happening with, with Valencia at this point. So Baraja didn't win in his first game. He actually lost. And um, it's going to be very tough because we're talking about 15 games remaining. Valencia have to actually win almost half of them. We are talking about 45 points remaining. Valencia have 20 now. If they want to uh, remain in La Liga, they need 20 more, more or less. That's wise, 38, 39, 40 points. And if Valencia have only won five games from the first 22, asking them to win seven out of the last 15 is an impossible task. So that's a reason for Valencia fans being so nervous and obviously so afraid of what is going on. Once again, the fans are going, you know, taking their anger to the streets. Protests aren't going to happen before the game, but it's not going to be as... Uh, you know, dramatic as what we saw two weeks ago against Athletic Club, because fans have realized that the team needs every ounce of hope, support, and uh, energy, especially when playing at home, because with their preset energy, hope, and football quality, it isn't enough. The default uh, energy that Valencia have isn't enough. The default uh, football style and football level that Valencia have isn't enough. So they need something extra and that extra help is going to come from the fans. And that's why their game against Real Sociedad is really going to be a game of heart against 
playstyle. Real Sociedad have been managed uh, perfectly, in my view, in the last five, six seasons. Actually, since Imanol Alguacil was appointed as, as the manager, they have a plan, they stick to it, they don't do weird stuff, they find new players, young players, interesting players, they extend their contracts, they make them to become important in the in the squad, they sign important players, they give opportunities to you know, legends as David Silva, but also they give opportunities to players as Takekubo, who are big prospects, but they really hadn't had the chance to shine. And overall, they have, a, I would say, a proper management. So they are the absolute opposite of what Valencia are. But Valencia have heart. It's more or less like the, you know, the movie Apollo Creed against Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa didn't have style. He didn't have, you know, a right jab. Uh, he didn't have the endurance. He didn't have anything. But he got, went toe-to-toe against Apollo Creed, which was far superior in every single sense. The game next Saturday is more or less is that kind of game. That's very emotional, Paco. I feel like I've had to break down in tears on behalf of all Valencia fans. Actually, tears is the proper word. Most of Valencia fans yeah. have that feeling or have had that feeling for the last few days, especially after their defeat against Getafe. Yeah, I mean, just looking back, it was match day eight when Valencia beat Osasuna on the 7th of October and they've only won one match in La Liga since then. The defeat on Monday night against Getafe, just the latest player. I mean, turning our attentions to one of Valencia's neighbours who now face Getafe themselves next Monday night, Villarreal and Kike Setien, who's under pressure there. They've lost four matches in a row, their worst losing streak since 1999. Is Kike Setien under pressure at Villarreal? I mean, they're kind of safe enough, but they're nowhere near where they might be hoping to be in terms of the chase for Europe because they didn't want to end up in this conference league for another season. And right now, it looks like that's kind of the best they can hope for at this point. You know, Villarreal are a very tr- tricky side to to dissect because if you might remember when Kike Setien was appointed as the manager, they lost, I believe, three in a row before the break. And suddenly after the break, I don't actually know exactly what they have been training during the the six weeks where the, the World Cup was taking place, but suddenly they became a different, a radically different team. And they won quite a lot of games in a row. And at this point, they are uh, in the in the opposite uh, side of the spectrum. You no, know, four defeats in a row. They are looking at this, you know, in the same way as, as before the, the World Cup. Uh, from the first moment, from the outset, I think that Kike Setien's style is far too different to what Unai Emery was trying to do every single day with Villarreal. And even though they tried reaching a, a middle ground between what the players were expected to do and what Kike Setien actually wanted them to do, uh, that middle ground seems to have been lost. So, yeah, definitely their streak is awful. Obviously, they have Valencia to, to you know, lie all of the blame and, and distract a bit uh, from the from the um, from the football fans, but 
if you only set sights on Villarreal, they are eyeing a mid-table season when they have a squad who should be battling for the top six. Exactly. So let's, we haven't got too long left, Paco, but let's turn our attention to arguably the game of the week. And I think it says a lot about what's going on in Spanish football at the moment. We're only getting to this now, but we have a Madrid derby. We have Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid on Saturday, 6.30 Spanish time at the Estadio Santiago Bernabéu. And of course, I mean, Real Madrid coming in off that high from their visit to Anfield, sure. but also with the tiredness, the exhaustion that will come with that. And Atletico Madrid, who look like they're stringing together a little bit of form. They've won three of their last four games, 1-0. Um, the other game being a one-all draw against Getafe at home. They have been a lot better on the road. What's your prediction for this one? Will Real Madrid keep up that pressure on Barcelona? Or do you think maybe Diego Simeone can, can upset the odds and, and get a win over Real Madrid? Well, actually, the, the following three games for Real Madrid are going to be very demanding, you know, because... Um, obviously the, the, the Liverpool, uh, round is already polished in my view, but they're facing Atletico, they're facing Barca in the, in the first leg of the, of the Copa del Rey semifinal and they're facing Betis who are also fighting for European spots. So I think we're going to see, uh, you know, um, the real level of what Real Madrid can deliver this year in the following three games. If they remain... Uh, you know, if they exit uh, those three games unscathed and with the three wins, I think that um, we are looking at a potential, as I said earlier about Barca, a potential doblete winners for, for this season, two two titles. Um, but yeah, things can go south in La Liga uh, and also in Copa del Rey because uh, Real Madrid have been very proficient in Europe, but they don't take things as seriously in La Liga and in Copa del Rey. Even though they haven't won the Copa del Rey for quite a few seasons already. But yeah, and if we let's talk about the, the game against Atletico Madrid, I think they can be very unpredictable for Los Blancos. I think that Atletico, the way I've seen them in the last few weeks, they are slowly, alas, very slowly, going back once again to their roots. Their win against Athletic Club was like 100% pure Cholismo. You know, 1-0, Griezmann goal, enough. Enough. Winning 1-0, I believe, I believe that if you could ask uh, Diego Pablo Simeone, which is the best score for him in a single football game, he would reply 1-0. I think that that's his favorite, favorite scoreline. Favorite is correct. Why? Because at the end of the day, you keep a clean sheet, which is super relevant for him. And you don't really uh, wear down the energy of the of your, of your strikers. So I think that Atletico are very dangerous at this point in the season because you don't really know the way that they are going to play. It's like a wild card. It's like a, you know, um, a bullet in the chamber and, 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 and rolling around the 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 gun, and you don't really know if the Russian roulette is going to be the joke is going to be on you or on somebody else. I think the Atletico are a very uh, unreliable side, unpredictable side, and that makes them very very dangerous in any single uh, Madrid derby. Well, it should be a real thriller 
that we see on Saturday evening as well. And with Valencia Reyes, so they are following up. I'm sure that the heart race will be beating fast. Thank you very much, for Paco, for joining us. Make sure that you stay tuned to La Liga Lowdown across our Substack, our Twitter, and across our podcast at the weekend when we'll be back to discuss all of the action. It's not just the games we've run through. We've also got some other brilliant fixtures coming up. So Vira and Osasuna Sunday night looks like a good one. I've heard the club Girona could be another promising one on Sunday lunchtime. Back off. Thank you very much for joining us, for spilling your heart and, and telling us all about Valencia. Uh, I'm everything. so scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real truth. I'm so scared because I actually see uh, second division too close for my taste. Well, let's hope the next time that Paco's on here he's not suffering heart attacks as he is tonight and <laughs> and everything could be a little bit easier. But, yeah, it's a tough time for any Valencia fans out there, so I'm sure we can all understand that. But yes, thank you very much to you, listener, for, for joining us and to listening to, to Paco's ranting and, and my raving. And stay tuned for, for all that we've got coming up over the weekend and across the next few weeks as well. Thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusive Apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 